Yes, always. I'm always past that. Yes. following is an article from ABC News dated June 10th, 2001. Komodo Dragon Attacks Editor Sharon Stone Husband. San Francisco Chronicle Executive Editor Phil Bronstein underwent foot surgery after being attacked by a Komodo dragon at the Los Angeles Zoo. Bronstein was on a private tour of the zoo Saturday when he entered into the Indonesian lizard's cage. The zookeeper had asked him to remove his white tennis shoes to keep the five-foot-long reptile from mistaking them for the white rats it is fed, Bronstein told the San Francisco Chronicle. The reptile attacked Bronstein's shoeless foot, crushing his big toe while thrashing its body around, said Bronstein's wife, actress Sharon Stone, who witnessed the attack from outside the cage. Big toe crushed by dragon's jaws. Bronstein was able to pry apart the reptile's mouth and escape through a small feeding door in the cage while the zookeeper distracted the dragon, Stone said. Bronstein underwent surgery Saturday to reattach severed tendons and to rebuild his big toe that was crushed by the dragon's jaws, Stone told the Chronicle. Bronstein was in stable condition today at a Los Angeles-area hospital where he is expected to remain until Monday, said Chronicle spokesman Joe Brown. He sounded in good spirits, Brown said today. He did say he's fated not to have a boring life. Father's Day surprise. The tour was arranged as a Father's Day surprise for Bronstein, who had always wanted to see a Komodo dragon up close. We're very grateful for the professional care of the people at the hospital, Stone said, and we certainly don't blame the people at the zoo. The endangered dragons are not venomous, but are considered poisonous because several strains of septic bacteria are found in their teeth and saliva, said Los Angeles Zoo spokeswoman Laura Lamarca. Bronstein was given antibiotics and will be monitored for infections. The dragon was not injured in the incident. The aggressive lizard, which is known to kill members of its own species, is native only to Komodo Island and a few neighboring islands in Indonesia. The following is an article from the Associated Press, published in the Tampa Bay Times on November 26, 2012. Florida man choked to death in roach-eating contest. Miami. A Florida man choked to death after downing dozens of live roaches to win a contest earlier this year in which the grand prize was a python, according to an autopsy released Monday. Edward Archbold, 32, of West Palm Beach, died as a result of asphyxia due to choking and aspiration of gastric contents, according to the report released by the Broward County Medical Examiner's Office. It said his airway was obstructed by the roach body parts, which caused him to not be able to breathe. There is a flap called the epiglottis that is supposed to stop objects from going into the lungs, medical examiner Craig T. Malik wrote in an email to the Associated Press. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work. 
In the video, you can see him trying to swallow and breathe at the same time. We can't do both simultaneously. Lab tests for drugs came back negative. The death has been ruled an accident. It's hard to even think about it, said Kim Crawford, co-owner of Bush Canvas and Interiors, where Archibald worked for four years. It does bring a little closure, because not knowing always puts that question mark out there. Crawford described Archibald as a smart, good guy who is really good friends to people. She said a photo of Archibald and news clippings of the accident still hang in the main office. It's just a tragedy. Archibald died after downing the bugs as well as worms in the October 6th contest at Ben Siegel Reptile Store in Deerfield Beach, about 40 miles north of Miami. Messages left with the store's owner and his attorney were not immediately returned. Archibald became ill shortly after winning the contest and collapsed in front of the store. He was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. About 30 people ate the insects, but authorities said none of the other contestants became ill. The following is an article from BBC News dated Thursday the 14th of December 2006. World's tallest man saves dolphin. The world's tallest man has saved two dolphins by using his long arms to reach into their stomachs and pull out dangerous plastic shards. Mongolian herdsman Bao Shishun was called in after the dolphins swallowed plastic used around their pool in an aquarium in Fushun, northeast China. Attempts to use instruments failed as the dolphins contracted their stomachs. Guinness World Records list Mr. Bao, 54, as the world's tallest man at 2 meters, 36 centimeters, 7 feet, 8.95 inches. Recovering. Veterinarians turned to Mr. Bao after attempts to extract the plastic shards at the aquarium in Fushun had failed. The mammals had lost their appetite and were suffering from depression, aquarium officials said. The heads of the dolphins were held back and towels wrapped around their teeth so Mr. Bao could not be bitten. He then extended his arm length of one meter into the mammals' stomachs. Chin Lujun, manager of Royal Jiti Ocean World, said Mr. Bao was successful and the dolphins were in very good condition now. Local doctor Zhu Jialing told the state media agency Xinhua, some very small plastic pieces are still left in the dolphins' stomachs. However, the dolphins will be able to digest these and are expected to recover soon. Mr. Bao was confirmed as the world's tallest living man by Guinness World Records last year. He overtook the previous holder, Rahum Chabib of Tunisia, by just two millimeters. Guinness World Records say Mr. Bao was of normal height until age 16, but then put on a spurt that doctors were unable to explain, reaching his full height in seven years. The following is an article in the New York Post dated October 19, 2022, by David Popper. A Michigan cannibal was convicted of killing a man named Kevin Bacon that he met on dating app after admitting to the gruesome crime last month. Mark Lutunsky, 53, was found guilty Wednesday of first-degree murder by Circuit Court Judge Matthew Stewart after almost two days of testimony in the sickening case where the cannibal reportedly told cops he ate part of the victim. The court finds that this is a crime of cold calculation, Stewart said. Kevin Bacon's death was Mark Lutunsky's design. In the rare degree hearing, Stewart had a choice between first-degree murder, second-degree murder, or manslaughter following Lutunsky's open murder plea last month, the report said. 
Lutonsky lured Bacon to his Bennington Township home in December, where he then stabbed the victim in the back and removed parts of the body before eating them, according to the outlet. He reportedly told cops he even cut off and ate Bacon's testicles. Mark Lutonsky admitted to killing and eating body parts of the victim, whose name was Kevin Bacon. The perp and victim met on Grinder, a dating app for gay, bisexual, and trans men. COSC County Prosecutor Scott Corner argued during the hearing Lutonsky had time to change his mind before he killed Bacon. The news outlet also reported the prosecutor said Lutonsky told officers he talked about buying a dehydrator to make jerky out of Bacon's muscles. That's not what Kevin wanted. Kevin wanted a fetish, Kerner reportedly said. He wanted to be protected. He wanted to make sure he was going to go home. Lutonsky's lawyer, Mary Charter, said her client did not plan on killing Bacon, and when police knocked on his door, he let cops in, even though he knew there was a dead body in the basement. A person in Mr. Lutonsky's shoes, in his mindset, had to have fully evaluated the consequences of the killing, she said. Lutonsky also asked Bacon over text if he had medical issues that would get in the way of their fetish, which Charter said he would not have done if he wanted to kill him before the victim came over. She also insisted her client did not understand the gravity of his crime and that Lutonsky told police he didn't plan anything connected to Bacon's slaying, according to the outlet. The following is a poem by Marianne Moore, published in The Egoist in 1916. Pedantic Literalist. Prince Rupert's drop, paper muslin ghost, white torch, with power to say unkind things with kindness, and the most irritating things in the midst of love and tears. You invite destruction. You are like the meditative man with the perfunctory heart. Its carved cordialty ran to and fro, at first like an inlaid and royal immutable production, then afterward neglected to be painful, deluding him with loitering formality, doing its duty as if it did not, presenting an obstruction. To the motive that it served, what stood erect in you has withered. A little palm tree of turned wood informs your once spontaneous core in its immutable production. The following is the Wikipedia article on Prince Rupert's Drops. Prince Rupert's Drops, also known as Dutch or Batavian Tears, are toughened glass beads created by dripping molten glass into cold water which causes it to solidify into a tadpole-shaped droplet with a long, thin tail. These droplets are characterized internally by very high residual stresses, which give rise to counterintuitive properties, such as the ability to withstand a blow from a hammer or a bullet on the bulbous end without breaking, while exhibiting explosive disintegration if the tail end is even slightly damaged. In nature, similar structures are produced under certain conditions in volcanic lava and are known as Pele's Tears. The drops are named after Prince Rupert of the Rhine, who brought them to England in 1660, although they were reportedly being produced in the Netherlands earlier in the 17th century and had probably been known to glassmakers for much longer. They were studied as scientific curiosities by the Royal Society, and the unraveling of the principles of their unusual properties probably led to the development of the process for the production of toughened glass, patented in 1874. Research carried out in the 20th and 21st centuries shed further light on the reasons for the drop's contradictory properties. 
Prince Rupert's drops are produced by dropping molten glass drops into cold water. The water rapidly cools and solidifies the glass from the outside inward. This thermal quenching may be described by means of a simplified model of a rapidly cooled sphere. Prince Rupert's drops have remained a scientific curiosity for nearly 400 years due to two unusual mechanical properties. When the tail is snipped, the drop disintegrates explosively into powder, whereas the bulbous head can withstand compressive forces of up to 300,000 newtons. The explosive disintegration arises due to multiple crack bifurcation events when the tail is cut. A single crack is accelerated in the tensile residual stress field in the center of the tail and bifurcates after it reaches a critical velocity of 1,450 to 1,900 meters per second, that is 3,200 to 4,300 miles per hour. Given these high speeds, the disintegration process due to crack bifurcation can only be inferred by looking into the tail and employing high-speed imaging techniques. This is perhaps why this curious property of the drops remained unexplained for centuries. The second unusual property of the drops, namely the strength of the heads, is a direct consequence of large compressive residual stresses, up to 700 megapascals, 100,000 psi, that exist in the vicinity of the head's outer surface. This stress distribution is measured by using glass's natural property of stress-induced bifringence and by employing techniques of 3D photoelasticity. The high fracture toughness due to residual compressive stresses makes Prince Rupert's drops one of the earliest examples of toughened glass. It has been suggested that methods for making the drops have been known to glassmakers since the times of the Roman Empire. Sometimes attributed to Dutch inventor Cornelius Drebbel, the drops were often referred to as lacrimae borusque, Prussian tears, or lacrimae batavake, Dutch tears, in contemporary accounts. Verifiable accounts of the drops from Mecklenburg in North Germany appear as early as 1625. The secret of how to make them remained in the Mecklenburg area for some time, although the drops were disseminated across Europe from there, for sale as toys or curiosities. Although Prince Rupert did not discover the drops, he played a role in their history by bringing them to Britain in 1660. He gave them to King Charles II, who in turn delivered them in 1661 to the Royal Society, which had been created the previous year for scientific study. Several early publications from the Royal Society give accounts of the drops and describe experiments performed. Among these publications was Micrographia in 1665 by Robert Hooke, who later would discover Hooke's Law. His publication laid out correctly most of what can be said about Prince Rupert's drops without a fuller understanding than existed at the time of elasticity, to which Hooke himself later contributed, and of the failure of brittle materials from the propagation of cracks. The following is the Wikipedia article on Prince Rupert's dog, Boy. Boy was a white hunting poodle belonging to Prince Rupert of the Rhine in the 17th century. Parliamentarian propaganda alleged that the dog was endowed with magical powers. Boy accompanied his master into battle and was killed in the Battle of Marston Moor on the 2nd of July, 1644. In royalist parodies, Boy was said to be a Lapland lady who had been transformed into a white dog. Boy was first given to Prince Rupert when he was imprisoned in the fortress of Linz during the Thirty Years' War. The Earl of Arundel, an Englishman who had grown concerned about Rupert's plight, 
gave him the animal to keep him company during the confinement. The dog was a rare breed of white hunting poodle. There were probably two poodles, one black and one white, given to Rupert in Germany. The black one was lost early in the war. It was the white survivor who became notorious. It was sometimes called Puddle, for Poodle, but it's famous as being called Boy, although it might have been a female. Propaganda was put about that Boy had possession of dark powers as a dog witch. Boy was sufficiently impressive and famous across Europe that the Ottoman sultan of the day, Murad IV, requested that his ambassador attempt to find him a similar animal. Boy accompanied Rupert during his travels until 1644. Rupert was the iconic royalist cavalier of the conflict and was frequently the subject of parliamentarian propaganda. Boy, who often accompanied Rupert into battle, featured heavily in this and was widely suspected of being a witch's familiar. There were numerous accounts of Boy's abilities. Some suggested that he was the devil in disguise. John Cleveland and other royalist satirists and parodists mocked these parliamentarian attitudes and produced lampoons that satirized the alleged superstition and credulity of their opponents. Cleveland claimed that Boy was Prince Rupert's shape-shifting familiar and of demonic origins. Other satirists suggested that Boy was a Lapland lady who had been transformed into a white dog. Boy was also able to find hidden treasure, was invulnerable to attack, could catch bullets fired at Rupert in his mouth, and prophecy as well as the 16th century soothsayer, Mother Shipton. Royalist soldiers also promoted Boy as their adopted mascot to the rank of Sergeant Major General. Reportedly, Boy had other endearing attributes, such as cocking his leg when he heard the name of John Pym, leader of the parliamentarian forces. He was also alleged to have performed for Charles I, slept in Prince Rupert's bed, and played with Prince Charles, James, and Harry, and Princess Henrietta, and was often fed roast beef and capon breast by Charles I himself. Boy died during the Battle of Marston Moor in 1644. He had been left safely tied up in the Royalist camp, but escaped and chased after Rupert. The battle went badly for the Royalists, and Rupert was forced to flee the field. Boy was killed during the ensuing fighting. He was prominently depicted in woodcut scenes drawn of that battle at the time, lying upside down, dead. Simon Ash, a contemporary historian of the event, drew specific attention to the death of this much-spoken-of white dog. Boy has been recorded as the first official British Army dog. That's the news for today. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful day out there, wherever you are.